I'm Ed Adams, and you're listening to the AFCA Podcast. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the AFCA Podcast. And today we're meeting with the creator and cast of the film If Bill Street Could Talk. I'll give you the details after the break. The AFCA Podcast is sponsored by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. And not too much for Tish. Drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fonny's baby. That is a scene from writer and director Barry Jenkins' latest project, If Bill Street Could Talk. Now, this is an adaptation from the book of the same name by James Baldwin that chronicles the loss of innocence between two young adults in Harlem. Jenkins, who's best known for his groundbreaking film Moonlight, which was chosen by the African American Film Critics Association as Best Picture in 2016, follows up his success by diving into James Baldwin's bittersweet piece of American apple pie. AFCA president and co-founder Gil Robertson spoke with Barry Jenkins and the cast of If Bill Street Could Talk recently during a recent press tour. Here is Gil Robertson with Barry Jenkins. So congratulations. Thank you very much. If Bill Street could talk, mm-hmm. um, why make this as your follow-up to Moonlight? Uh, you know, I wrote the two scripts at the same time in the summer of 2013. Didn't have the rights to the book uh, when I adapted it, but I've always loved James Baldwin, always loved his work. And what I loved about this story in particular and why I wanted to make it was the the pairing of the Baldwin voice that was obsessed with relationships, sensuality, uh, passion, but also just as passionate about pointing out systemic injustice. And I felt like, you know, uh, a story is the best vessel for an idea, and I think a relationship is the best vessel for a story. And in this case, the story of America. How did you go about making Baldwin digestible for mainstream America? You know, it's interesting. I, I try to, it's a really good, really good question. I try to not make Baldwin digestible, you know, I think uh, in two ways. I think the, the book is extremely nonlinear. And it goes off on these tangents. And I try to preserve a nonlinearity um, in the novel while still, as you say, making it digestible, making it followable for an audience. But it was in the language of the characters where I tried to not change anything at all and allow the characters to speak in the Baldwinian voice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, casting. Uh, you have uh, Stefan is relatively new and mm-hmm. uh, the young girl, Kiki, is uh, mm-hmm. new to most people who aren't familiar with her work on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Why go in that direction instead um, of with the more established yeah, you know, player? 
You know, it, it wasn't intentional. We cast a super wide net. We saw some people who were more experienced than Kiki, for sure, for the role of Tish. Uh, you know, Stefan has played John Lewis and Jesse Owens, so we're going to have to remember, you know, I watched a lot of movies, so I know who he is. You know, it wasn't like Denzel Washington or young Denzel Washington stepping out, you know, as Fani. Um, but really, it was just about finding two people who had this connection. When you read the book, it's clear that Tish and Fani are soulmates. I think the whole thing spins on this idea that this love is so pure that it's tragic that it's broken. And so it's trying to find two young people who could communicate that as well. And once we decided to go down this unknown path, then this, this thing opens up where people are seeing Tish and Fani for the very first time. Just like in Moonlight, they're seeing Sharon for the very first time. I think there's a power in that. It's fiction, but somehow the characters seem even more real. So are you nervous? I mean, the, the last, the, the second movie was obviously uh, yeah. just mm-hmm. everything. And now, you know, you're back at that again. How do you feel? You know, I'm always nervous when I make these things. You know, with Moonlight, I was shocked that all that stuff happened. Uh, I say I was naive. I didn't realize it was happening until we were knee-deep in it. Uh, with this film, it would be, um, uh, it would be what's the word, uh, ingenuine to say that I'm not aware that there's more of a bullseye on this film. People are expecting it. You know, they're waiting for it. And also... It's James Dan Baldwin, so even aside from me, people have expectations. But I think in making the piece, that was where the work had to be done, to ignore all those things, block those things out. One, to protect someone like Kiki Lane, to be brutally honest, um, and allow her the space to just be the character. Um, But I think ultimately, uh, the main audience for this film was James Baldwin and his estate. And so I think making the film uh, for them kind of protected me from being concerned with what the world thinks. Now, to answer the real question... I mean, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's a lot of weight for one film to carry because the last film was so successful, but uh, I think hopefully it'll stand on its own. What does this movie say about the... No, 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 we're good. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, What does this movie say about the criminal justice system? Mm -hmm. Uh, This season, you know, we've seen a lot of films that touch upon Mm -hmm. uh, black men and their engagement with Mm -hmm. the system. Uh, Mm -hmm. What do you think this film's take on that whole thing? Uh, I think it shows just how easily, uh, how easily manipulated the system is and how easily corrupted the system is. You know, Mr. Baldwin was a very dense thinker, and I think the scenario he builds around Fonny and Victoria Rogers and this officer is one that's very easy to look at from only one angle and not see the whole thing from the scope of it. There's this lawyer in the book and in the film and this, uh, this lawyer named Hayward who we aged down by 10 years just to show just how... Um, how much agency everyone can have in the system if they take control of it. Um, I think that what Mr. Baldwin and I think the film says is so many of these young men, this is montage in the beginning where Tish says um, the children have been told they weren't worth shit and everything they saw around them proved it. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of the film, another montage shows up to show how many of these young children get trapped into the system. It's a uh, supply and demand. And I think the thing that, that that's being demanded is we need men to fill it. And Fani, unfortunately, is one of those men that's that's brought in to fill it. Now, we left we allowed the film to be set in 1974 as opposed to updating it. So much about it is relevant to today, but I think these problems have persisted so much that we have to start to do something. And if the film says anything about it, I think it is that we have to do something. Right. That was Gil Robertson speaking with writer and director Barry Jenkins. Now, it comes to no surprise that Regina King won AFCA's Best Supporting Actress Award for her role in If Bill Street Could Talk. The actress has been a staple on screens big and small for decades now, and her commanding, chameleon-like presence is the reason why she is a favorite of audiences and critics alike. And her performance in this film as Tish's mother, Sharon, is nothing less than amazing. 
Her husband on screen is the enigmatic and versatile Coleman Domingo. Coleman has worked on countless television film projects and is equally compelling and memorable in this film. So take a listen to Gil Robertson's interview with actors Regina King and Coleman Domingo. So, um, congratulations. Thank you. How did both of you come to become connected with this project? I auditioned, just... for, I auditioned to put my self-tape on for uh, the role of Frank, and then I was gifted with the opportunity to play Joseph. Beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. <laughs> I That's love the short version. That's the short version. <laughs> right. Yeah, you told the real short version on that, that one. Um, I um, was, um, they, uh, Barry and uh, Dee Dee and Jeremy reached out uh, with about interest to play Sharon and read the script and read the book. And Barry and I had a FaceTime call and we talked for 45 minutes, an hour. I'm in two different countries and uh here we are mm -hmm. yeah. so i know i know both of you were familiar with baldwin as an author um but what was it about this role that made you even want to be involved in this particular project i think all of it i think i think i'm just um attracted to i really think at the core i'm attracted to great artists and wanting to be a part of the vision <clears throat> and some someone like barry jenkins you're like i just wanted to be in the room mm -hmm. And knowing he's going to wrestle with James Baldwin's language, you're like, what a joy to be in that room. Right. And then on top of it, to play the husband of Regina King, I really want to be in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are many, there are many things that, uh, that made you feel like uh, I had something to give mm -hmm. to this as well. Because um, I, think, I think we're all artists that Barry assembled who try to be in service. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the, one of the greatest things you can be as an actor. You're like, what can I give to this production? I want to give everything I have. I'm going to do my research and bring my knowledge of Baldwin and my passion for Baldwin and leave something there that I can't get back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think he said it best. Okay. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now this book attacks the, or, or takes a look at the criminal justice system in a way that a number of films have and how, mm -hmm. uh, it, how black men are caught up in it in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think it adds to that conversation uh, as far as finding a solution to this, this crippling problem in our community? I don't necessarily think it's about finding a solution. I think it's about uh, raising consciousness. Mm. And I think that that is actually even, um, you know, I, th I don't think having a, you know, having a, you know, like when people say like, oh, what do you hope people walk away with this film with? I say, it's just to, to open, open your mind up a bit more, to actually see that like these men who are in the prison system actually come from families. Right. As well. They have other people who love them and support them and they have humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that already is a win mm -hmm. with a film like A Bill Street Could Talk. You could see, so, so you've got humor and humanity and love and passion and, and hopes and dreams. They're just not someone who, you know, is, you know, um, accused of a crime right. <laughs> and had no story before or after. Yeah, I think for mm -hmm. a lot of people, the as assumption when it comes to black men who have been falsely um, incarcerated and hearing uh, people talk about those uh, wrong, um, for wrong incarcerations or uh, they have no entry point as to who these young men are 
And I think this story gives you an entry point. It makes you actually consider them as a human being and not just, you know, well, they must have done something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So now this movie is very, your two performances in particular are very much in the conversation for awards. How does that make you feel to know that your work has been, is being deemed as that noteworthy? I just, I'm honestly, I just want people to see this movie. <laughs> yes. and, and, and if that conversation is going to make people come see this movie, then I'm here for it. But I've, ne- I have not felt this emotional about something that I've been a part of in a long, 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 long time. And um, the movie sat with me for so long after seeing it as an audience member. I just, I feel like you need to grab your family and go see this movie, no matter who you are, no matter how, what age, well, yeah, age, maybe 15 on up. You need to see this movie. I feel the same way. Terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I have to admit, this interview made me smile. Two young actors in the role of a lifetime, manifesting the love, joy, and pain writer James Baldwin is known for that's brought to life for all to see. Actress Kiki Lane plays Tish Rivers, and actor Stefan James plays her beau, Fonnie Hunt. Their chemistry is immediate on screen, and you can hear glimpses of it even in this interview. Here's Gil Robertson with Kiki Lane and Stefan James. So how familiar were you guys with James Baldwin in this book in particular? Um, I wasn't familiar with uh, any of his novels. Um, I was just more so familiar with like the online content, you know, interviews and speeches. Um, so Beale Street was the first novel of his that I read. Yeah, likewise. I, you know, I, I knew uh, Baldwin as a, as a poet and as an activist, but not really his, his lit material. So an incredible introduction in If Beale Street Could Talk. And so how did you guys go about preparing for these fairly complex characters? Um, For me, uh, the biggest part of my preparation was just really being in the book. Um, I mean, I read it, you know, multiple times while we were filming. I had it with me every day on set um, because, I mean, lucky for me, it's from my perspective. (laughs) So there's just so much more in the book about what Tish is feeling and and thinking. So, you know, Barry was telling us even if it doesn't make it, you know, into the script, it still had to make it into our performances. Yeah, for me, I mean, you know, the thing about this story is that it's so deeply rooted in love and 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 that's sort of where you base your performance off of um like Romeo and Juliet was a big inspiration for for me um in going into this role and then you know just realizing the reality of this sort of situation that we were dealing with people who uh represent a whole world of people who are going through the same sort of thing you know this young couple has found themselves in the in the midst of this sort of dark time um that we don't really get to hear about and see about in this way. And, and for me, it was about bringing truth and a level of humanity to a situation that we, you know, we so often overlook. And sadly, it's a situation that's all too prevalent today, Absolutely. particularly in our community. Absolutely. Um, what type of um, uh, message do you think at the end, the last frame, does it, does it send to the audience about where these two, uh, this, these two lovers, young lovers are going? Um, I mean that they're unbroken, that they are still, you know, even in spite of the the circumstances, they are still a family, and 
I don't know, their, their love is still there. Yeah, I agree that the love is still alive and, you know, um, you know, truthfully, we've, we've had to deal with, you know, struggles for hundreds of years in history. And I think mm -hmm. that this is just one of those things that just show what love can do and what love can help you um, mm -hmm. really get through. So, you know, at the end of the day, we just want people to feel loved and know how important love is. Now, working with Barry, an Academy Award-winning director, what was that like when that phone call came? <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about Barry actually called me uh, himself on a Monday morning. Um, that's how I found out I got the role. Um, but even I feel like that was an introduction to just how real he is, you know, that he called me and was cracking jokes with me, you know, just from the very beginning and carried that same, you know, light energy um, and that same support and encouragement throughout the whole filming process. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm like, I'm, I've been like the biggest Barry fan for, for a while now and I've, I've always known that I wanted to work with him. Um, I certainly didn't expect it to be this soon, um, but what an incredible filmmaker, a real, you know, he's a real genius. He has a, an incredible eye for storytelling and for love, for passion. Um, so an incredible thing to go through this whole journey with him. And then you guys worked with an incredible array of talent as mm -hmm. well, with Anjanu Ellis, with Michael Beach, with Regina King, with Coben Domingo. I mm -hmm. mean, really established, you know, performers. What was that like? Um, I mean, was it intimidating? Uh, definitely. I, I mean, I still have moments where I can't believe I'm in this film <laughs> with all these people. Um, but thankfully, everybody was just, you know, I don't know, everyone was so genuine, so supportive. And I know, you know, my personal experience, you know, in the film, you see all these people coming around and supporting Tish as she's experiencing all these new things. And that's what all of these amazing artists did and continue to do for me, Kiki, as I'm experiencing all these new things. Yeah, uh, I think it was just a, you know, I think it was just a familial environment. You know, everybody really accepted each other. And, you know, I, I wish we could say, I wish I could say that a lot of that stuff was acting. But, you know, it was really just a warmness and a love that, that exuded, you know, from the performers in this piece. And, and I think that comes from loving and respecting the material at hand and, and sort of wanting to go at it with the best foot forward. So that was the best part about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> If Beale Street Could Talk is now showing nationwide in theaters. And that's our show. Shout out again to Gil Robertson sharing these amazing interviews. And if you'd like to know more about who won Africa's Best Picture of 2018, along with our other categories, go to Africa.com for the complete list of winners and our top 10 films of 2018. Thanks for listening again. And until next time, keep your head up.